This podcast is made on Darawal country, the unceded land of the Wadi Wadi people. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Are you at a career crossroads and thinking about what's next for you? For career change tips, stories and resources, sign up to our newsletter or check out our new online courses at whatshedidnext.com.au. I remember sort of being in the class thinking, imagine if I could do this all the time, how happy I would be if I could just be surrounded by flowers and be creating things and designing things and thinking outside the square and just using my creative brain all the time. Imagine how amazing that would be. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of What She Did Next. I'm your host, Jackie Uwe, and this is a podcast where I talk to women about their inspiring career changes. always dreamed of doing something creative, but you're not sure how to turn that into a career? For Chris McKee, her early creative dreams fell by the wayside as she pursued a more stable career in nursing. Being a nurse opened up opportunities to travel and live in London, and over 20 years she worked her way up in a very specialised field. Despite her success, there was always a sense that something big was missing, but she wasn't sure what else she could do and she was worried it was too late to make a change. When COVID struck, it was the push Chris needed to embark on a new career path, exploring her creative interests and discovering joy in working with flowers. She now runs her own business, creating beautiful and sustainable floral designs for weddings and events, and has been gradually stepping away from her nursing career as the business grows. I love chatting to Chris about the process she's still going through to unravel herself from nursing and finally prioritise her own happiness and well-being. She also has some great tips for anyone considering a move into floristry. So please welcome, from Sydney, Chris McKee. So Chris, you've been on quite a journey with your career change, which we'll be getting into today. But can you start by telling us a bit about your background and what you were doing in your early career? Sure. I started off, I guess, what I thought would be my career path in the arts. So it was music, music and and classical voice or opera. I trained at uh, VCA in Melbourne. And that kind of, that was all going well. But then I kind of realised that to be in the arts was not an easy path, career path. You know, not everyone, not everyone would get a role in in the opera or in the musical that they wanted to be in. So clearly I should have a backup career. So mm. decided to go back to back to uni and um and study nursing, which I kind of immersed myself in because you you kind of have to. It's it's a lot of a lot of time, a lot of time at uni, a lot of time outside of uni doing, you know, practical placements and things like that. Mm. So it kind of became the focus and then the music sort of dropped off. And over the years, the opportunities in nursing grew and that kind of opened up the opportunity to travel as well. So um, my focus just kind of completely left the arts altogether um, and just became nursing and what I needed to do to, to continue nursing so that I could travel with it. 
Well, I mean, I did see you really rose through the ranks, as it were, in quite a specialised area. Can you just talk a bit about the field you were in and I guess some of the accomplishments? I mean, you had a very accomplished career over nearly 20 years. Yeah. So I, um, when I first started off nursing, I had no idea what I wanted to do, like which, which particular specialised area I wanted to work in. When I decided that you know, to travel as a nurse was kind of easy and maybe I should focus on that. I started doing a little bit of agency work and that led into some drug and alcohol work. So I was working in some drug and alcohol clinics in Melbourne and methadone prescribing clinics. And I took that experience to to London and that kind of meant that when I was being placed with agencies in London, they were like, okay, well, we can pop you in a hospital looking after patients on a ward or we can pop you in the community looking after community members who are perhaps um, within the drug and alcohol setting. And I kind of got really stuck into that. I really enjoyed being out and about in the community, meeting lots of different people, and that led to helping set up a few clinics that were testing for hepatitis and HIV. Mm. I ended up getting married while I was in in the UK as well, so then ended up being a bit of an anchor point at that point. So I applied for a full-time job at King's College in London and was accepted, and that was at the Liver Institute. So I'm in King's College Hospital in London, and the Liver Institute there is involved in a lot of research, um, and that became something that I was involved in as well. So when the decision came to to move back to Australia um, around 2013, it made sense that I would find a job here in Sydney that was within that field. And because of my experience at London, it kind of opened up lots of opportunities for me to um, to get involved in quite a lot of research here as well, which is what I did. Amazing. Okay. So, I mean, on paper, it all looked pretty good. You were doing really well in your career. You were very specialised in that area. But you did say that you always felt there was something missing for you. So can you talk a bit about that feeling and how it was coming up for you? Yeah, I think um, – and obviously I've thought about this a lot over many years. And I think it always – I think it always popped up at different points. Like I don't think that there was ever a really long period of time where I was like, okay, I'm doing nursing now and this is my this is my career path and I here's the end goal that I want to get to. I was just kind of ticking along going, all right, well, this is the next step. So this makes sense that I do this or – you know, now uh, now it makes sense that I go back to uni and I do another postgraduate to progress myself or I join this board or I, I contribute to this. It makes sense that that's the progression, mm. not here is my end goal and here's where I want to be and here's the passion and, and this is the this is where I want to get to in, in five years' time. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that was because in the back of my mind there was always like, oh, I don't. I don't really want to be doing this. I feel like there's something really big missing. And that was always creativity, like doing something that was really creative. So over the years, I kind of dappled with short courses in painting and I was just trying to fill that, you know, that fill that desire and and feed that need to do something creative. So I think it was always, it was always there, Mm. um, no matter what I was doing. Uh, And then I think it kind of really came to a head mostly during COVID, and I think it did for a lot of people, I think that realisation that, oh, things can change so very quickly and quite, well, completely unexpectedly, I, I don't want to waste any more time doing something that I feel like I should be doing 
but I don't necessarily want to be doing. It's not fulfilling me. Mm. So it was during that period that I thought, okay, well, maybe now, maybe now I'm in a stable position that I can, um, I can really give it some thought to, to perhaps pursue something creative. And how did you start exploring? Like, as you said, you did some short courses, but it can be very stressful, I think, when you know for sure you need to be doing something different, but you're either not sure what that is or how to turn that into a career. I mean, how did you start to explore your options? I remember I remember searching for short courses and I, first of all, I did a drawing one, all right. a drawing course, and I thought, this is great. This is just fulfilling me, but um, but obviously this is just purely for, for satisfaction and for, for pleasure in my personal time. And then a floristry course popped up and I thought, oh, wow, how beautiful to do something like that. Maybe I'll just do like a, a weekend course and, and see if that's that's something that's fun. And I did it and it was kind of just out of the blue and I remember sort of being in the class thinking, imagine if I could do this all the time, how happy I would be if I could just be surrounded by flowers and be creating things and designing things and thinking outside the square and just using my creative brain all the time. Mm. Imagine how amazing that would be. So I kind of I, I finished the course and then I enrolled in like a, a slightly longer short course doing the same thing. And at that point, I was like, well, maybe I should consider the TAFE course. Uh, I can do it alongside my nursing. It doesn't have to impact um, my work too much. What's the harm in doing that? So I did it. I just I just joined the course and, and thought, I'll see what happens at the end. Right. Well, you now spend the majority of your days <laughs> creating beautiful floral designs. They are really spectacular. And I love that you have a sustainability focus as well. So, yes, tell us a bit more about what you're doing now and what that study led to. So, I am I am more focused on wedding and events. Mm-hmm. So, I would say that that's where I push most of, I guess, most of my focus and most of my marketing for the business is is directly on on wedding and events, and that's because that allows me the most creativity. I just love the whole process of you know, talking to a couple or talking to to someone who has an event coming up and discussing, you know, what their vision is or if they don't have a vision specifically, trying to help them figure out what that might look like and working through all of that steps from the first initial conversation to deciding what the colours are going to be, deciding what the flowers will be, deciding what the design is, what what they want um, the aesthetic to be. And I often find when I'm talking to couples, about my approach to their wedding designs and I sort of mentioned, look, I don't use any floral foam. I use sustainable techniques and I try and make things as biodegradable as possible or, you know, make your flowers last for as long as possible too so we're not throwing them out at the end of the night. Um, A lot of couples have absolutely no idea about any of it and are quite grateful for me sort of making making them aware. Mm. Um, So I just, I just love that whole process. But I also I also offer sort of uh, I guess daily daily deliveries of bouquets for any type of celebration that might be happening. So that I kind of I guess I offer the whole spectrum of what a florist would offer, I suppose. Mm. <laughs> but the, there's a very heavy focus on on the wedding and events. And how I guess challenging or easy has it been to get a business off the ground? I mean, you're an independent florist working for yourself, I gather. I'm not sure if you've got other people working with you at this stage. 
I mean, how did you know where to begin and what were some of the first steps that you took? <laughs> uh, well, Jackie, I had no idea where to begin. <laughs> um, I had no idea where to begin. My first steps were, I do work for myself. I, um, If I'm doing a, a sort of a larger wedding or event, then I call on freelance florists to help me out. So it's just, it is just me a majority of the time. Me and my, my fiance, um, who is incredibly supportive and is sort of the hands-on logistics, how to make things work, how to hang things up right. person. But in the early stages, I, I just kind of, it, it was with his support that I was able to be like, all right, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to give this a go. I'm just going to start putting posts on Facebook. Right, okay. The, like the local community pages just to sort of say, I'm a florist, I'm offering these bouquets. And it was during COVID actually. I was offering like a cute little package of flowers and, and champagne or flowers and um, some local craft beers. Mm. So it kind of took off from there and, and I started to build up a little bit of knowledge around how to market a little bit, what people wanted, what people were willing to spend. And then it kind of evolved into, all right, well, now I think I'm ready to launch a website. So I did that. And then I think it was just just literally figuring it out as I went along. Right. <laughs> I didn't read a book. I didn't. I didn't sort of ask anybody necessarily. I just kind of thought, well, I think this is how you do it, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give it a go. And at that point, I was still, I was still working full time as a nurse. So I see. I guess the risk was low. Mm. I was still getting an income. I was still, I, there was no sort of stress that if I didn't have X number of sales a week, then I wouldn't be able to pay the bills. So right. I could take it really slow. Well, I was going to ask you about the money side of things because that's obviously something that's a big worry for people who are thinking about a career change. I mean, did you have, well, it sounds like you did have a sort of transition plan in that you didn't completely leave your last job straight away. But yeah, I mean, were you worried about the money side of things in thinking about transitioning to this as a more full-time career? Yeah. I think I think when I first started thinking about it, I was I was very concerned about that. And I think that mostly came from, I have like a very personally, I have a, a need to always be sort of in control, I guess. Mm. I don't like necessarily um, too much of the unexpected. Right, <laughs> I yep. know that that is very hard to avoid in life, but um, <laughs> I like to be as prepared as possible. And I guess for a really long time, I had either been, you know, looking after my own finances or had been sort of the breadwinner in a previous relationship. So, money and looking after money and making sure that there was always enough money to go around was um was really a strong focus. So I did I definitely focused on that far too much to begin with mm. because I, I was kind of forgetting, well you're giving this a go while you're still working in another role. So the risk is low. And then I kind of just realized that it's it's okay. I'll just I'll just do things slowly and and you know one one little step at a time and and test the water and see how we go. But now that things have, uh, are growing, I guess now is that point where I'm like, all right, well, now I can, now I need to worry about, yes. <laughs> about more the money side of things and, and the business growth and, and, you know, how to do that properly. So that's certainly, I don't think it ever goes away in business really. Mm. It's good to hear you talk about that because even this week I was talking to someone who's very early into their business about six months in and very worried that things weren't necessarily you know, at where they were hoping it would be. And I was like, six months is not very long. I mean, from your experience, 
if someone listening was thinking about, you know, this transition to a business, I mean, is there a certain sort of time frame you would need to give yourself to for it to become sustainable, I guess, in terms of financially sustainable? I think that's still something that I'm I'm definitely still trying to figure out. So I'm I'm about two about two years into I guess the process of floristry being more of a full time thing for me. So I still work I still work one day a week nursing. I'm still quite heavily involved in some other nursing stuff, which I'm trying to transition from. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes time. Yes. Um, so I think that in the early stages, I was stupidly probably expecting things to just be like, well, if they don't take off in the first six months, then then it's not going to happen. Surely, surely I should be able to see something really quickly. Um, and, it, you know, it wasn't until my, my fiancé sort of said to me, I'm sure this takes a really long time and you just need to be patient with it. Um, I think a lot of us are more focused now on what's happening on social media and looking at other businesses and and you get sort of a false sense of, what their reality is and sometimes it can look like someone's um someone's business has just boomed overnight Mm -hmm. but you know obviously we don't know what the what the reality is for that person or that business behind the scenes but I've also come to learn that it's much better to do things slowly because I'm figuring out how to do it properly yeah as well there's no rush so I think for anyone wanting to start a business I think the expectation is that that it's going to take you a little while and that's that's a good thing And yeah, tell me a little bit more about the process of unraveling yourself from your nursing career, because as you said, you're still working one day a week. There's still some responsibilities in that field. So yeah, what are some of the reasons, I guess, behind that connection still being there? And do you see it as an ongoing thing? Yes, this is um, this has been quite tricky and quite challenging. I think the the initial process from going from full-time work to to one day a week was incredibly difficult for me. It took me a really long time to make that decision. I think I felt like in my full-time position, um, nursing at that point, I was, I was running a service. I was responsible for service development. I had a lot of responsibility for the department I was working in and for my staff and for my colleagues as well. Um, I was also doing, which I still do a little bit of freelance nursing education now, right. um, which is something that I really, I really quite enjoy. And I will continue to pursue that for, for a little while, I think. But I felt like I was just wrapped up in so much responsibility that mm. I felt guilty stepping back, like I would be leaving people in the lurch. And now when I reflect on that, I think, where did that, where did that come from? That unnecessary pressure. But at the time it was so, it was so overwhelming. And I was during just shortly after COVID, I was diagnosed with with anxiety and and depression, mm. something that I had for a really long time, but pushed aside and ignored. There were always other things to be worrying about. Um, I think that's a trait of nursing too that we just we there's there's other people that need looking after rather than ourselves. Um, but it had gotten to the point where it was just completely overwhelming. So. I had to listen to my body and I had to do something about it. And part of that process was talking to a therapist who also helped me sort of unpack that that tie to to nursing and why I couldn't mm. put myself first. So it took a really long time to do that. And once I did sort of leave the full-time position, there was the whole, well, if I completely stop nursing, then I jeopardise my registration. 
if I jeopardize my registration, then it's not so easy if the whole the whole flower thing falls apart. <laughs> I still need to find a job. So I decided to just work one day a week to keep my registration up. Yeah. But also to um I think that helped me with the I'm not completely leaving my colleagues in the lurch. I'm still I'm still working in the field. I'm still helping people with similar projects. I'm also on a board which is has been quite a quite a big commitment for me for sort of the last 3 years. And I'm just coming to the end of my board term this October, so that will be another point in my journey where I sort of am able to step back mm. and put that to the side a little bit. So it's just I think yeah, I don't know. I think I was just so reveled up in so many different parts of the role, not just my my work from Monday to Friday, but it sort of bled into out-of-hours stuff and organisations that I was supporting as well. So it wasn't so easy just to say, okay, well, I've I've now resigned from that job mm. and we're pu- putting it to the side and it's all over and done with. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting for people to hear because I think there's a perception that there's this big giant leap that happens when we change careers and like one day you just stop doing that and now you're doing that. And for so many people, that is not the case. So yeah, yeah, it's really interesting to hear your experience with that. And I was, I mean, I was very moved to hear you talk about this deep guilt that you were feeling about stepping away from nursing and that somehow, you know, even that you're being a bit selfish somehow, because as a nurse, you're meant to help other people. But you know, I was thinking you've given 20 years of yourself <laughs> to this career, which is a very long time. And it actually reminded me there was a story I saw in the news recently about the police shortage in Australia and how lots of police are leaving that um, field because of things like burnout or trauma. And there was someone quite high up in the police force sort of talking about, you know, maybe policing's not meant to be a forever career like maybe that's something we do for 10 years and then need to move on from and I thought it was just really interesting to me that maybe we are starting to rethink our expectations around certain roles or careers or professions you know that maybe they're not meant to be your one path that it's okay that they're just one chapter you know yeah absolutely and I think that's um that's an excellent point that you've made because I feel like on reflection Maybe nursing's the same as 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 you mentioned about the police force. Maybe it's not a forever career, and I think I think a lot of people somewhat realise that. In that, you know, you might start off your early nursing career working in, you know, high adrenaline situations. So you're working in emergency, or you're working in ICU. You're working in in sort of areas where there's a lot happening and there's a lot of pressure, and you're you know you're constantly um, you're constantly involved in sort of you know, making sure that someone in a lot of cases doesn't die. Mm. So I feel like a lot of people do that when they're a lot younger in their nursing career and then perhaps as you progress, you start to move into areas where it's a little bit more gentle. Yeah. Um, Also on our minds but also on our bodies. I mean, I know that I have a horrible lower back and that's – I'm absolutely positive that is from nursing and all all the years on the ward moving patients and just you know long shifts and and stuff like that so i think it's it's draining for you emotionally and mentally but also physically so and i think there's there's a lot of people in nursing that have been nursing for their entire career mm-hmm. uh, and they're coming up to retirement and um and in some cases you think oh you you just really don't like the job anymore like you can tell that you're just you're tired and it's so sad that people haven't been able to perhaps haven't been able to sort of fulfill some some other desires that they that they might have. Mm. Well, I mean, I was wondering about 
what kind of reactions you've had from other people in making this change, whether it's, you know, your colleagues or other people in your life. I mean, being a nurse slash florist, you know, is not something you typically see on most people's LinkedIn bios. But yeah, I mean, how did you, I guess, feel about sort of starting to talk about this to your colleagues? How, what kind of reactions have they had? I, I kept it a secret for a really long time. Like when I was doing the TAFE course, I didn't tell anyone at work that I was doing it. I told friends and I told family and everyone was incredibly supportive. Um, and I think it helped a little bit because it came during COVID. So I, I think it came during a point in time where everyone was realizing that perhaps pe- some people needed to make a change. Mm-hmm. So I think that was kind of helpful. But also, I mean, if, if COVID hadn't have happened and I made the same decision, I'm sure all of my family and friends would have had exactly the same reaction mm-hmm. of support. And knowing me too, that, that, doing something creative was was important to me. So just glad that I was pursuing that. Yeah, no, that's good because you do hear sometimes, I mean, largely people are supportive, but I think when it's it's doing something that seems quite dramatically different, there can be some interesting reactions from people as well who maybe didn't know you so well. Um, yeah. But I think often there is a common thread that connects the career choices we make, like even if those careers do look very different from the outside. Is there something that you can see that links your nursing and floristry careers or, you know, has your nursing career somehow shaped who you are as a florist? Yeah, I think I think some I think some of the links possibly are, you know, as a nurse you want to help people and you get a lot of joy out of being able to make a situation a little bit easier for somebody, whether that's directly the patient or whether it's their family and friends. Um, You know, you see people at their most vulnerable and I've always been incredibly grateful to be part of that time with somebody as well. You know, that's, that's quite a a intimate and personal time to, to be involved in someone's lives. Mm. And I think sometimes I get a similar feeling with, with flowers, you know, if someone's, if it's for a funeral or if, if someone's sending some sympathy flowers and um, it's nice to be part of that experience. Mm. So I, th- I think there's a, a there's a little bit of a link there if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And I also think I bring some of those I like to think I bring some of those nursing traits of I really want to um create something that means something special mm. for somebody, you know, or you know, make them just feel a little bit better or bring that big smile to their face because you know, flowers do that, don't yes, they? You can't they definitely <laughs> you can't do deny that. <laughs> um so I think I think that's perhaps where the links are. Well, I'm very happy for you that you found a career that brings you so much joy. So where to next for you from here? Where to next? So moving a little bit further away from the nursing ties, (laughs) Um, freeing up a lot more space in my mind for business growth. And that's really, that's my number one focus at the moment mm. is, um, is building my business, expanding, expanding what I'm doing for couples with weddings, more bookings, um, making myself busier and also moving. I'd like, really like to move more into some of the wedding, uh, some of the event space with florals as well. Mm. So that's some more editorials and things like that. Just anything that allows me to be incredibly creative and really think about design and, um, telling a story, I guess. So, Chris, just a few final questions to give some tips to our listeners today. If someone listening was interested in making the leap to a career in floristry, what tips do you have for them? 
So to become a florist, you don't have to do a TAFE course. You can just one day wake up and say, I'm a florist (laughs) today and I'm going to start a business. You can do that. And there are people that do that. However, my tip would be that some formal education is is a good idea. And that may stem a little bit from my um, my career before, and always, you know, um, always being involved in formal education. But I think you learn so much from doing the TAFE course, and you learn a little bit about expectations and dealing with clients, and um, and how to approach things and techniques that that you wouldn't know necessarily okay. uh, if you if you didn't do the course. So I would, if people if people want to be a florist and they can afford the TAFE course, then I would highly re- recommend doing that. Mm. Otherwise, just doing lots of short courses as well. There's so many courses available either in person or tutorials online as well. Um, just immersing yourself in as much as you possibly can to learn learn as much as you can and start to learn some of the business stuff behind the scenes too. There's lots of books and podcasts. Listen to as much as you possibly can and understand that it takes time. Yes. Don't compare yourself. Don't don't compare yourself to anybody else because everyone's journey is is incredibly different. Yes. And actually, I did want to ask you one thing. Do you have to be an early riser to be a florist? Don't you? I have a friend who's a florist. Do you have to be at the markets at like some ridiculous hour in the morning? <laughs> you do. You do have to be at the markets at a ridiculous hour in the morning. Okay. Um, I guess I've I guess I've gone through periods of time where I've been an early riser, having been a nurse doing shift oh, work, yes. but I've also gone through periods of time where I don't know how I ever got up before the sun. <laughs> um, but but on market day, yeah, you've got to be up early. I'm lucky that I'm in the inner west of Sydney and it takes me maybe 20 minutes to get to the flower market, okay. which is which is incredible because some florists drive for an hour and a half wow. to get there for 5 a.m. My goodness. Um, so you've got to be an early riser. Okay. Yes. But that, that doesn't have to be every morning, which is okay. good. But that's a good consideration for someone who might be thinking about this as a career. Um, yes. Or you need to learn how to nap when you get back. So you, you, go to the, you go to the market, you come back, you process all your flowers, make sure they've got lots of water to drink, and then you go and have a little nap for an hour. Okay. Good tip. And, you know, we know there's a lot of things that can hold people back from making a change, even if they really want to make it, whether that's an external barrier of some sort or their own self-doubt. What would you say is the biggest barrier you had to overcome to make your career change? The barrier to make a change was probably, oh God, my own getting in my own head and telling myself that I'd been nursing for 20 years. It was too late to make a change. How could I possibly put my partner and I in the position where we might have to just rely on his income? Overthinking everything, absolutely overthinking everything to the nth degree was absolutely my number one barrier. Mm. And I guess then, so having now got past that, what's the biggest lesson you've learned that perhaps might help someone who is still in that position? The biggest lesson I've learned is probably that what we were talking about before, that it takes time and it's okay to take time and it's actually it's actually probably really beneficial that it takes time, mm-hmm. that you don't have to do everything all at once. You don't have to learn all of the aspects of, all, of running a business for yourself all at once. You can, you can learn on the job. You can do it slowly and build, build those skills as you go. And what's the best part about your work life now? Waking up and waking up and knowing that each day is a little bit different, that I'm in control of what 
I do to to a greater extent mm. than I ever have been before. And especially those days when I, I get to to design and do stuff with flowers that I get to just spend the whole day sort of touching flowers and putting them into vases and creating designs. Um, I definitely just wake up with, with a spring in my step now. Mm. It's much easier to get out of bed. Oh, that's so good. Uh, and yeah. lastly, if people want to find out more about you or your floristry services, where's the best place to connect with you? So either via my website, mm-hmm. you can reach out on the contact form on my website or on Instagram. Now I know that some people find it a little bit hard to find me on Instagram because of the the name, but it's um it's at chris.floraldesign. So my surname is not actually in my handle oh, yes. for Instagram. Okay. But yes, I think like a lot of people I'm I'm on Instagram quite a lot and easy to find. Uh easy to contact with. Sorry. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today, Chris. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Jackie. It was enjoyable to have a chat. Thanks for joining me for this episode of What She Did Next. You can find all of the details about today's guest in our show notes. And if you're thinking about making a career change of your own, then you might want to check out our new online courses or subscribe to our newsletter at whatshedidnext.com.au. We're also on Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn at What She Did Next Podcast. What She Did Next is produced and hosted by me, Jackie Uwe, with production support by Perk Digital. Thanks for listening.